You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Lions, everybody, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you, Trash Talking Tuesday. No, that's my Rob Parker impression. Tuesday, December 7th, and a Wednesday, December 8th. What's going on, everybody? Let's talk to some Detroit Lions football, shall we? The juggernaut win streak, 1-10-1. Honolulu Blue and Silver Warriors. The Lions have moved up in the Locked on NFL power rankings for week 14. We'll tell you where they moved up, how many spots they moved up, and who is behind them in the power rankings. All of that coming up momentarily. And our good friend Chris Burke from TheAthletic.com is going to join me. Covers the Lions. Does a great job. I've said this before. Chris, Justin Rogers, Kyle Meinke, Ben Raven, Dave Burkett, Twentyman, uh, uh, O'Hara, Danny... Jennifer, all everybody that covers the Lions do a fantastic. The guys from POD, Pride of Detroit, Jeremy and Eric, Jeff Risden from the Lions Wire, all of those guys. I'm probably leaving somebody out, and I suck, and I'm sorry. Carlos Menares, or is it Monares? Legend. Um, they do a great job covering the Lions. Get well soon, Kyle Mikey. He's got COVID. Uh, feel better, buddy. Um, follow us on Twitter at Derry Speaks, D E R Y Speaks. At Locked On Lions on Twitter as well. Please hit the follow button for At Locked On Lions and the Matt Dairy Facebook fan page. Uh, as I mentioned before, Chris Burke from The Athletic. Uh, it's a Tuesday. Lions will play the Broncos coming up Sunday in Denver. Broncos are 6-6. Six and six. Their offense is abysmal. But they've got all this talent. They've got all these wide receivers that can really play. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, Williams, a running back, is really good, but they just have a really lousy quarterback in Teddy Jam for me, Bridgewater. And uh, this is the checkdown bowl. This is the Brad Johnson, Rich Gannon bowl this Sunday when the Lions go to Denver. Uh, when you got Jared Goff going up against Teddy Bridgewater. If you like three yard passes, you're going to love this game Sunday uh, at Invesco Field at Mile High. Dave Riegers. Denver Broncos. Uh, by the way, Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez from Fox will be on the call Sunday for this very contest. All right. NFL power rankings. I take part in this every week and I help rank the teams. And I just knew after the Lions' big win Sunday over the Vikings to no longer be the only winless team in the league, that the Lions were going to move up in the power rankings. Let's, let's just guess. Let's just have you bandy it about in your head. Where do you think the Lions are from 1 to 32? Are they number one? Of course not. The top five, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City over New England. I don't like that. I voted for New England higher than KC. Love what Belichick did last night. He said, screw it. Windy game, rainy, we're going to run the ball every play. Mac Jones threw three passes, three passes, and they won. It was brilliant. Those are your top Five teams. Bottom five. Texans, 32 at 2 and 10. Jaguars, 31 at 2 and 10. Boy, is Jacksonville bad. They're bad. At number 30, your Detroit Lions moving up two spots. Last week, 32. This week, 
30. Then the Jets, then the Bears. Remember, the Lions now have five games left, starting with Denver. Um, what, what is it? Denver, Seattle. No, Denver can't. No, Denver. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head without cheating. <laughs> Denver. They got to play Denver. They got to play Green Bay. They got to play Seattle. They got to play Arizona. And they've got to play. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Denver. Oh, Atlanta. The last five. All of a sudden, we're going to have to have the debate and the discussion. What if the Lions win a couple of games and don't get the number one pick? We want them to get the number one pick. Many of you are just shilling for Aiden Hutchinson. Hutch for Heisman to be the Lions' number one pick. There's a chance it could happen. The Lions right now are only a half game behind Jacksonville and Houston. They're only a half game ahead of the Lions in the race of the worst record in the league. And those teams are bad, very bad. Denver, by the way, comes in at number 20, dropping three spots after their Sunday night performance in Kansas City. They are, again, our six and six. and uh, But they're eight and a half point favorites for uh, Sunday right now, according to our friends at betonline.ag. Chris Burke from The Athletic coming up next. We're going to talk to Cody Rourke on Thursday for the crossover, get some Broncos preview. Talk about kind of a nondescript team, but they have a pretty good defense, even though they traded a Von Miller. Hey, listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge, right? You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone, so you can listen to all the latest episodes the power of three unlimited data lines for $30 a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Free. Phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And hey, Matt Derry here to tell you about our friends. Our friends at the NFL. That's right. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner in the NFL, the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information. Or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Let's bring him in right now from theathletic.com. Covers the Lions as a, a fantastic job. We've had him on the podcast before. We're checking in with uh, Chris Burke again from The Athletic. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. How you been? Good. Uh, nice to talk to you after a. I was trying to think if we've talked after a win before. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if we have. Three, uh, 364 days. It's uh, what a what a run. What a run. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. Because yeah. uh, 
I don't know. I've been t- telling people all week, like I, I saw some, some comments that they like over celebrated or acted like uh, it was too big of a deal. But I think I, I got it in the moment. I understood <laughs> the celebration sitting well, there watching it. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, the video that the lions put out there, we all remember the video from Patricia's first win where he's hugging everybody and like tackled Rod Wood in the locker room. And then, <laughs> Now this video is infamous for you know Dan Campbell basically picking up Sheila and hoisting her in the air, uh, but it's genuine. I mean they they really like this guy and everybody ownership the GM standing there behind him, the players you you could tell that that it's genuine that they wanted to give that game ball to Dan Campbell. Yeah, I mean I think that's been one of the things that stood out to me the whole season is like the young guys are buying in, which is important, and the coaching staff gets along, which is important. But you've also had. Like, for all the criticism Jared Goff gets, I think he's been everything they wanted him to be, like, in the locker room and as a personality. And Michael Brockers is still very much on board with what Dan Campbell's been doing. And that, you know, he didn't – I don't think he really wanted to be here either at the start of the year. So it's been all these guys that – I think you see it from the veterans too, which is important because – Uh, That's usually the first group that you lose, and that's sort of what we saw happen in the previous regime where it fell apart. So uh, I think it matters that, yeah, that these guys still like him and are still there for him and and still are buying into everything he's telling them. So, you know, whether or not that matters enough moving forward, I guess we'll see. But for right now, I think it matters. Talking to Chris Burke, of course, covers the Lions for The Athletic. Let me ask you about that because – You've been around teams that have had poor culture, and maybe from an X's and O's standpoint, the coaches were considered geniuses, or at least Matt Patricia thought he was. What, what about in this instance? Because there are glaring mistakes that the coach is making, yet you see the kind of reaction that the guys – I mean, Jared Goff ran right over to, to Campbell to hug him. Um, what, what does that mean in the in the grand scheme of things for the Lions? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked so much about the culture, right, uh, just what it, what it was, what it needed to be, what the Lions hoped it would be when they changed coaching staffs and everything. And so I think you've seen, like, I think that's what this whole year has been about, is just sort of trying to get that established and get some expectations uh, in that building established. And so, again, I think everything continues to be pretty, pretty positive there. I mean, the sort of the Anthony Lynn situation is the one that, it looks a little weird compared to everything else, but um, I mean, in terms of the players' relationship with the staff, I think it still matters. I think what you mentioned, though, is important too because we're yes, it is Matt Patricia's first year. He's got a fairly inexperienced staff, but we're you know twelve games into this, and the coaching staff is still making some some pretty big mistakes. So you need those things to go away at some point too, or else you know all the good vibes aren't going to carry you very far. Why Why do you think that it took, I'm not going to say it took this long to get their first win, but what What? What sort of changed? Was it just that the Lions have the ball last? Or what What sort of changed this past week? And I know you wrote about it. And, kind of. <laughs> but it, they were actually throwing the ball downfield. I mean, my goodness, they took advantage of the Vikings not having their linebackers, you know? Yeah, I think that was important. You sort of saw it right away uh, that, you know, those early drives, Jared Goff, not only were they calling – plays with routes downfield but golf was willing to throw into some of those tight windows which you know it's i think that's part of why he's so confounding as a quarterback because you see him make some of these throws and 
you know, you're like, well, all right, where did that come from? And I guess he can do that. And then uh, he goes back and makes some of his mistakes and goes through the stretches where he just checks it down for four or five weeks in a row. And you're sort of wondering what's going on. But I do think that that was a big deal. Obviously, they put up more points in that game than they had uh, in what, Zinski week one, I guess. So um, that certainly helped. But, yeah, I mean, I, if they had that fourth and one at the end that fell apart, golf fumbled, you know, if they punt there for as well as the defense has played at times this year, I, I think we all kind of had a feel for where it might end up if they had punted in that spot. And uh, so I, I think maybe it was just having the ball last and at least that. And Campbell said that after the game, like it, just to have a chance there um, was kind of different for them. So uh, they took advantage of it. When are they winning again? I mean, is this like going to be? I know <laughs> I'm fast forwarding. It seems like my questions here to you because I have a bunch more. But seriously, like you look at it now, I, you know, I looked at it with the six to go and went, man, where are they going to get this win? Yeah. And now that you know, usually Kirk Cousins has big games. I think Thielen going out helped. I think Kendricks being out helped. So they got some some help, but they also made their own breaks in the first half. But what do you foresee moving forward in terms of more wins? Do you see any? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was starting to get the feel that oh sixteen and one was coming, so yeah. I don't know how much that this changes the overall outlook. I mean, there's certainly some winnable games. I mean, I think this Denver game, assuming they don't have a letdown after winning now and having that weight off their shoulders, that's a. I don't know if they'll win that game, but just the way Denver plays, even that feels like it's going to be like seventeen fourteen in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So they got a shot there, and um, you know Atlanta's not very good Seattle's not very good uh and then who knows what Green Bay like that's the Green Bay one at the end of the year I kept telling myself that maybe that would be the one that they win if Green Bay is locked into you know the the two seed and not playing for anything they could beat Jordan Love and (laughs) Green Bay backups I think so I don't know I mean maybe maybe they get one more I don't think this is going to spark a run here or anything where they rip off three or four or five in a row so um I think that's why it was important the whole time, just to get one so people could stop talking about, well, what what if they don't get one? Do you have to fire everyone? What does this mean? Now I think you can just kind of sit back and whatever happens, happens from here. Where where are you on Dan Campbell and how transparent he is? I mean, he openly admits, and I heard him this morning on on the ticket with Stoney and Jansen, basically openly admitting, like, I, I made mistakes. Like, I hated that third and two call that then got him to fourth and one. A lot of times the coaches will say it was the best thing on my play sheet or I'm not going to go back and talk about that. You know, Belichick doesn't give answers. A lot of these coaches don't. Here's Dan Campbell basically, I mean, he, you know, he's given injuries out uh, like never before, which I know is yeah. great, great for somebody like you, Chris, who's just trying to be the conduit to the fans. But, you know, is 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 Campbell making too many mistakes and is he, and is he making a mistake by admitting to those mistakes publicly? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's definitely been nice from a media perspective, especially coming off, you know, Patricia didn't give us anything ever. Um, And Campbell's been open from, you know, the first day of, uh, like, rookie camp. Why isn't that guy out there? Well, he pulled a hamstring. We think he's going to be back in three or four days. And uh, he's never stopped doing that. I mean, I think it the openness with the, you know, the decisions and the mistakes he's making to me sort of ties back into what we were just talking about. Like, is he learning from some of this stuff? Cause I think he has moments where you can almost see the wheels turning in his head as he's answering questions, talking about, 
those plays. Like, why, well, why didn't you run? Someone asked him in the Monday press conference, you know, why didn't you run Jamal Williams on fourth and one? And he started to say, well, the, you know, the third and two was the one that was the big mistake for us. And then he kind of paused and said, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see why you would say that. I guess we could have run Jamal there. <laughs> so, you you know, I, I think he is uh, just one of those guys who just is going to analyze and reanalyze all the things that he does wrong. And again, as long as that's, as long as he's learning from it and it's pushing you forward, I think it's great. You worry, I guess, at some points that he, there, that maybe he's doing too much of that. And, you know, he's having moments where he wants to go with his gut or he's having moments where, uh, the other problem with that fourth and one was they called timeout right before it because they right. didn't get, they didn't know what to do. So that, that's that's what troubles you a little bit is that you know they're getting a little uh, scrambly in those spots. More with Chris Burke coming up next. I want to ask about some players and certainly some keepers that uh, you know maybe we didn't think were keepers for next year. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Beachbound and Life. We're all bound for different things. Beachbound.com vacations. You can be bound for adventure. Bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or maybe you may be bound for something encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar or maybe creating my own taco flight. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as can be. So with Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Check out Beachbound, B-E-A-C-H-B-O-U-N-D.com today. Chris Burke is with us from TheAthletic.com and also his uh, world-famous podcast with you and Nick Baumgartner. What, what is the name of that again? Uh, one of these years. That's correct. Must not yes. be that world famous. Yet. <laughs> well, that's uh, poor, poor show prep by me. But I know you have a new, new, new episode out today. I did see, and uh, yep. I will. Uh, I'll take a listen to you guys. Nick is very analytical. He, he breaks everything down. Uh, he he just geeks out sometimes on the yeah. You know, oh the trap, the left. How many times did uh, Jonah Jackson uh, pull and trap? I'm like, wow, I, that's a lot. But he he's into it. So you got to. But uh, you guys have a good yin and yang thing going. I appreciate that. Yeah, he. Uh, I told. Uh, I, I did the uh, the Pride of Detroit guys did a, like a telephone. Love those guys. Call it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, I told them. I think I've gotten. Like I feel like I get angrier now because I watch games with Nick and he's always like, "Well, that guy didn't get to the right spot at the right time." And so uh, <laughs> I've had to dial it back a little. But yeah, it, it's been fun. Uh, fun chopping it up with him on those podcasts. Tell me about some of these players. I, I know Jerry Jacobs is an obvious one, but but who else has won you over where you go, this is a guy that is going to be here next year that maybe you didn't think was at the start of the year? Yeah, I mean, Jacobs is the big one, right? I think he's been great. Um, and I would also would throw Aura Worrier in there because I, I mean, even as recently as like three or four weeks ago, I was sort of like, I don't know about this guy. Like certain receivers are giving him problems i don't really see it as enough of the progress uh in coverage but i think he's played well enough and and especially playing up like he has in a number one cornerback role and he's been good against the run so i think that that's uh, a good sign i mean charles harris looks like someone you might want to re-sign now um just what he's given you as a pass rusher so, I mean, I think it's starting to come along. I personally would like to see them re-sign Josh Reynolds, too. I mean, I think he's a – I don't think he's a number one receiver, which, again, he's sort of playing in that role. But um, I think he's a legitimate NFL receiver, and this is a roster that doesn't have many of them. So, 
uh, you kind of see the rapport he's got with Goff and what he can do when he gets downfield. So I, I mean, I think he's someone you could probably keep around for pretty cheap. They could have had him for pretty cheap last offseason. Um, and so I think that it makes sense to, to give him another shot. And probably uh, Godwin Iguabuike, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wouldn't that be another one? Yeah. I mean, that running back room is really interesting because I think he's played his way into a role here. But, you know, Jamar Jefferson has done some nice stuff when he's been on the field, too. And you still have Swift and Williams, obviously. So that's – I mean, that might be the room they feel the best about headed into the offseason, frankly, um, because I think you, you're four deep. They love Cabinda. I would assume he'd be back. Uh so that's one you almost just don't even worry about, which helps because they're gonna have to. They still have to worry about forty other roster spots. But uh, yeah, that room looks really good. I think Ikebuke's been. I mean, he he's every time he's gotten a chance on the field, he's made plays. He had the huge catch and run on Sunday. He had the you know the long touchdown run. Uh, is it Pittsburgh or Cleveland, yep. whichever game it was? Yeah, and uh, yep. yeah, so he's he's done some nice things for sure. Where are you on golf? Um... I don't know. I mean, <laughs> where's anybody? <laughs> but like, what you know? There's some, you know. It's funny. Some people say, well, you know, he can't be back next year. Well, with the money and with the draft, you yeah. know, this is not a draft where the Lions are taking a quarterback at number one if they stay. You know, if they if they get one, and then who might be there at twenty two, twenty three? If that's where the second pick is, I, this is this is sort of a weird year to have that that spot and uh, and need a quarterback, right? Yeah, it definitely is because you don't – I mean, the last thing you want to do is force it and then you're in trouble. I mean, that could be the type of thing that this regime can't overcome if you force yourself into a quarterback just because you're desperate for a quarterback. And uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's <laughs> – really the whole setup the whole time was that it was going to be two years, right? That was what the contract – when they redid the contract, when they traded for him, the way they talked about him, it was, all right, let's get in here. Let's see what he can do. Let's try and build this offense up a little bit. And they kind of had this two-year window baked into everything where, you know, this year they just get the foundation laid and then next year you give him some more weapons and see where it went. Uh, he's made it tough to – feel fully confident in that moving forward but then i kind of wonder what they think like they look at a game like sunday where he made his mistakes like he usually does but he also you saw some of those throws you saw what he did in the two minute drill that's pretty pretty close to perfect execution on the two minute drill he's a guy that they still believe that they can win with i think if they give him the right situations um that's not worth $30 million a year, certainly, but I don't know that it's worth bailing, you know, the cost of what it would be to bail on him and try to find something else. So I, I don't know. I mean, I still, my gut still tells me we got one more year of Jared Goff as the starter. I, I don't know. What do you, have you, have you changed course at any point here? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, weeks ago, I said, you cannot bring this guy back. He's awful. Right. He's awful. And you're right. Some of the windows he hit the throws on this week, you're like, all right. Wow. And the, and this, this organization, Chris, you know this, they never draft a quarterback ever. They don't take anybody in the fifth round to, to, to take a look at or a developmental guy. It's like it's like they're allergic to it. Even when Stafford yeah. was here, what would have what been so bad? I'm not saying they should have taken Tom Brady because – you know, we've been through that one. Every team could say that, but they just never seem to ever take a quarterback. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and boy, yeah, it's really you know, boil and boil and blow. Come on, and 
can't right. be serious with that. Yeah, I mean, it's really been that was one of the things that, and not that it would have made make or broke, uh, made or broke Bob Quinn's career here, but that was one of the things that was most baffling to me going through those drafts every year because you kept, you could see maybe not the exact end of the line for Stafford, but you knew it was coming yeah. at some point that he was going to move on or they were going to trade him or he's just going to be too hurt to keep playing every year and. And, and Quinn said as soon as he got hired, you know, I think it's good business to draft a quarterback every other year at least. And then they just didn't really do it. Uh, they brought in, was it Brad Kaya, right? Yes. Like, I think the one yes, year. that was um, it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think this is this is a year where maybe you fall in love with a guy at the end of round one, early round two. But if not, I think there are some options maybe on that somewhere in round four round five that you just get something in that room that gives you a little bit of a boost over what you have maybe some i mean we've seen these guys like you'd love to have like taylor heineke or someone like that right right. like just someone who could go out there and give you something to push your starter a little bit so uh, i don't know i mean i feel like they they almost have to draft someone somewhere just to have a little bit of upside in that room. I remember that Saturday afternoon, I get a text from somebody on the inside, and they said, you're getting your quarterback finally. What was it, the sixth round? And I said, as long as it's not Brad Kaya. And he's like, I said, I'll throw my phone out the window, I think is what I texted. And he said, don't do that. I'm like, oh, my God. Finally a quarterback, but it was the one guy. I just remember watching at Miami going, it's terrible. But uh, well, that's neither here nor there. Well, hopefully uh, a, a little trip to Denver. And, boy, I watched Bridgewater. I don't know how much of the Sunday night game you got to watch. But yeah, Goff and Bridgewater, that's going to be first guy to throw a 10-yard <laughs> pass. It'll be a miracle. Yeah, well, that was the other. I mean, that, those were the two they were down to for this starting job this year, right? It was the trade for Bridgewater or the trade for Goff. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that you'd be in better spot necessarily with Bridgewater. That's why I say I think that game is – sort of destined to be I mean, it might be another game whoever has the ball last that can get in field goal range because I just don't I, I, do, I don't see Denver hanging 35 or something no. on this this no. defense so um, yeah I don't <laughs> grind out another one here and oh. watch see how it goes by the way the Lions were 0-10-1 with Kyle Mikey uh, there 1-0 and without him <laughs> I think there's something to this Nick uh, wasn't there either. I told him they were taking attendance. I think on who was up in the press box wow. this week. Wow! Because uh, a bunch of people were out. Like the whole contingent for uh, the Big Ten championship yeah, didn't get yeah. back in time. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> see if they let those those folks back in the building next home game. No, don't do it. No, they can't go to Denver. I know they got uh, you know <laughs> a weekend. We hope Kyle's feeling better. But all right, uh, Chris, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks so much. Yeah, anytime. Chris Burke from TheAthletic.com does a fantastic job, and uh, follow him and and subscribe. I do. I read all of his stuff at TheAthletic.com. Thursday, don't forget the crossover with Cody Rourke, the host of Lockdown Broncos. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.